Scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, he who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is this generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob, Selah. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Amen. Once again, I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church, and I don't know if you're visiting today and first time at Christ Central Church. Yes, this is a special Sunday for us. This is a Sunday believers celebrate the resurrection of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And because it's a special, it's a special Sunday, um, we are in the book of James, and that is the book we're working through, and we still have a couple more sermons to go, but we are taking a break this week from that to focus more directly on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, You might be thinking, well, why has he gone to the Old Testament when the resurrection is a New Testament concept? Well, we have something called Messianic Psalms. And these are Psalms that were written thousands of years, thousands of years before Christ even came. And they foretell, they foreshadow, they prophesy, they point forth to Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And we have three of these psalms grouped together, Psalm 22, Psalm 23, and Psalm today, Psalm 24. Yeah, I know you thought walking in the valley of the shadow of death was about you, didn't you? No, it was about Christ. It was about Jesus, and good thing it was about Jesus, because if it was about us, we'd still be in that valley of the shadow of death, right? But for those who walk in the valley of the shadow of death in Christ, actually get out of it. Others of us stay there. Well, this Psalm 24 is more about his victory over that valley of the shadow of death. The Bible tells us that this psalm was written by King David, Israel's king, sometime around 1000 B.C. And a number of commentaries believe that it was written by David to commemorate and celebrate the bringing of the Ark of the Covenant, the box in which God's presence dwell. Now, some of you old enough to remember the, Ark, the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark when they opened that box and the man's face melted off? That. <laughs> That very loving, merciful God in the box, but if you open it the wrong way, trouble. The ark was being taken back 
to the city after it had been stolen away in war so that God's presence and power could once again be among and alive with its, peop- with its, with its people. It meant that the broken relationship with God and his people with the return of the ark would be restored back together again. And so we have David in the closing verses of this psalm referring to coming to the gates of the city and upon being asked, who goes there? Answers, the king of glory. In other words, the king is the one who carries and has won back the Ark of the Covenant, won back God's promises, won back God's presence that is now being brought back into the city to bless and make his people righteous. And so it is demanded that the gates be opened, the city gates, and be declared, lift up your heads, you gates, the frame that held the doors, that they be taken off the frame. And the doors, strong, heavy doors of security, be opened wide. In other words, let the doors and the door flames be blown off the hinges and let them be opened and never shuttable again to the glory of God and his coming king. Because if God is with us and alive among us, we don't need gates. Because we need not fear anything that would ever come against us. Now, once again, what does this 3,000-year-old song, probably written again for the coming of the Ark of the Covenant event, have to do with us? Why has God called us to sing, meditate, and even take faith in its words? Because like them then, right, mentioned in verse 6 as the generation of those who seek him for our fallen and broken world and hearts that like the gates and doors are shut and blocked to the glory of God, we need a king to break through with the blessings and redemption and living presence of God. Because as your being here this morning confirms... In some way, you're wondering and searching and hoping for for what this 3,000-year-old song is affirming. You need the blessings and life-changing power and forgiveness of heaven to come through for you now on earth. Look at verses 1 and 2 with me. It says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. What you need to understand contextually is that the idols of the day back in David's time were like senatorial representative deities, right? So you had one one idol or god, small g, of the ocean, and one of the land, and one of the luminaries. And David is saying in the word of the Fugees, there's too many MCs, not enough mics. And so David is telling the competing gods, Exit your show like I exit the turnpike. Go back and get your Fuji straight. You need to go back. In other words, that the God we worship, the God I am calling you to worship, the God that this song 24 is about is the God of everything. 
over everything, over everybody, every place, and all other gods. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. He is not a department of a department store. He is the whole store, right? He's not the garden area. He's the whole doggone thing. And it leads us to then say this, then this God, the one who is the God over everything is the God that therefore must be and have everything you and I need. That this God The God of the Bible has all we need to live, to love, to learn, to grow, to exist, to smile, to cry, to sit down, and even to stand up. The God of this song, the God of David, the God of this Bible, the God that you are hearing about today, he is the God that is and has everything you and everybody and everything that's anything needs. He is therefore your God, whether you acknowledge or had prior knowledge or not, and I am letting you know that the psalm says This is your God. And David is saying, is that clear before we go any further? So with that in mind, he asked a good and honest question in verse 3. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? Hmm. Okay, back then everything was, that was awesome was on a hill. Believers in God and believers in everything else worshipped on the hills. In fact, they would talk about high places, and high places were always good places because high places are where the idolatry took place. They sacrificed and put altars and temples on hills like our uptown. Important people, places, and things, the sources of wealth, right, and culture, the place to get what you need. Therefore, the hill is obviously where the God that is and has everything we need lives. So David is using the place and temple placement to make a point of God's transcendence and place as God over us all. And so what David is getting at is this. God has in us everything we need to make it down here as human beings in this world. We got that straight. And we need to get up that hill because we need his stuff. Right? We need what verse 5 is talking about. We need blessing. We need the spiritual God stuff to make everything and each one of us work right down here. And then it says, they shall receive righteous vindication from the Lord. Now, I don't want to complicate things. But we need God's, you are all right with me and with yourself, right? Right? We need for our sense of worth. We need the daddy of the universe to say, good job, my boy or girl. We, we need that stamp of approval and acceptance that says you have been invited, right, into God's kingdom. But not only is it about getting it for yourself, you know how things get packaged at these big stores like Sam's and Walmart and Costco's. Three families can eat off of one thing. Well, the covenantal context, that means extended family and neighborhood 
care we are called to, you need to actually go up to the hill to go shopping, if you will, for all the people under your care and who need it and for every task you're going on, right? Your family, your neighborhood, your ability to do your job for the world, the, 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 the mouse and the trees and the whole earth if they can talk is even asking you, please get from God what God has for you. On that hill is the heavenly target, y'all. For some of y'all, y'all like Walmart, the heavenly Walmart. It's the heavenly university. It's the heavenly hospital, the bank, the rehabilitation center, the pharmacy with God is the world's chief doctor, head DA, pharmacist, life architect, engineer, contractor, and master instructor to fix, to make right what is broken and hurting or lost. On the hill is everything, and most importantly, the one you need. Your existence and the well-being of all things and people in your life depends on it. Here's the point. We need what the Lord has. And whether you have a relationship with God right now, whether you know the Bible and you know what you're supposed to have to be a good disciple of Christ and grow in faith, the, 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 the urges you have, the, the desires you have, the emptiness you experience is telling you, you need something greater than what you can get on this earth. That you too are saying this psalm, even if you aren't a believer today. On that hill, somehow there's something I really need. Don't know the name of the main God up there. Don't know exactly what it is. But I know I've searched, I've lived, I've tried, and it ain't down here. Your existence and the well-being is there. Now, who can and will go get it? Who's going to see the man? Who is and who can put their order in? Who's going to see the CEO of the universe? And before you answer too hastily, like the guy in Indiana Jones who opened up the ark and his face melted off. <laughs> We've got the power. We can do it. Mm-hmm. Or like a horror movie where you go and check quick without really thinking. Is that you out there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first to go check it out with confidence is usually going to lose his life. You ever notice that Indiana Jones waits and watches? I like Indiana Jones, y'all, so get used to it. <laughs> and he lets the no-name actor go first. Right? And you know that maybe they see gold. There's always something on the other side, right? Some gold. You know, one time it was a cup where you drink and you can live forever. And Indiana Jones, he just stands back and watches because he knows that something is that valuable and that incredible. And it's still there for, it's still there for a reason. And he just watches, and here comes some hasty guy. Yeah, I got the gold. Something cuts his head off or something. You have chosen unwisely. You know, that kind of thing. So who 
Is it you? Who and how can get what we need so desperately from God? He tells us like Jeopardy though, right? He gives us the answer, right? No help. Sometimes the hardest test problems are the ones with the answer. Look at verse 3 through 5. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Now get ready for the answer. Ready? I'm going to tell you who's going to get what we need from God. Ready? What it takes. And who shall ascend and stand in his holy place? Here we go. Ready? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive the blessing from the Lord and a righteousness from the God of his salvation. There you go. Who want to go? Ready? All you got to have is have clean hands and a pure heart. Some of y'all who don't believe in Jesus think everybody's good, so why don't you roll on up to God? Like Indiana Jones, why don't you go first? Why don't you pick the right cup? Right? So God is and has everything our messed up, crazy, and beautiful world needs. And all we have to do is get to get to him and get to it first. Get it is first to have clean hands, pure heart. Easier said than done, right? Because what this means is this. Remember the context of the everything God? Well, that applies to clean hands and heart. To have clean hands means you've done everything right. And done nothing wrong according to God's standard for you by him. You know, you've done everything right for your family and your neighbors. And with it, that you would do it with pure motives. It simply means that we have done all we have done for the glory of God alone. Not trying to get attention, affirmation. Not trying to do it because we got some kind of messed up psychological family history of our past. Just doing it out of purity. Not self-promoting, not selfish, not to get by, not to sneak. And remember, this is the God that sees and knows everything, even our deepest heart behind all that we do. And if that weren't hard enough, look at verse 4. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not, here's the part, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Now, you want to know what this means? Okay, so we talk about the clean hands. That means not doing sin, not doing wrong things. Clean heart, making sure you do it with a pure motive. But that means not to have any part of our lives and loves that are not Godward and God-centered. The word soul here can be interpreted throat or connection to the stomach. In other words, God blesses and welcomes the ones who don't fix or fill their pains, their hurt, their emptiness, their hunger for truth and righteousness with anything or by anyone else but by him and according to his rules for doing so. You ever eat too much because you're happy? Or not enough because you want to look good? In other words, you should be exclusively committed to using the God of the Bible product, brand, and directions. Then you can get what God has for you. (laughs) It's that simple. You know, the Bible's pretty simple. 
It ain't hard, y'all. You can get everything God has for you if you have a clean hands and pure heart and you don't engage in idolatry. You can get it. Man, God, this is so clear. It means that God only blesses those who don't settle for less than what he offers. To not get your personal needs and desires and hunger met by anything or anyone else. God does not welcome and give people his blessed life who get and turn their lives to the bootleg or knockoff or the irregular or the generic. Okay, so we all bootleg. We all take God's stuff and use it and his people in the wrong way. Even ourselves in the wrong way. Because it's hard to live down here, man. We in our world are hungry. We want it now. We're starving for hope. We're hungry for acceptance and community and love and mercy and achievement and security and friendship and justice and intimacy. And our souls, our throats are parched and dry for blessing and righteousness as those who may find it hard to climb up God's high holy hill. So we settle. It's so easy to stop short of it because God seems in so, many, in so many ways so far away from us. So we stop at the corner stores. Let's call them the human spiritually convenience stores of our lives. David calls them idols. Let's call them convenience stores. Turning to something or someone in some way that is not God to do it. God alone purely gives and alone should be looked to get it. Right? I remember I was talking to Kelly. We were talking about our corner stores when we lived in Belmont, the Belmont neighborhood, Belmont community. And um, there was an argument going on about whether they should get rid of all the corner stores. And there was an argument saying no because some people really get their groceries there. So you can't get rid of the corner stores. Kelly now will like get rid of all of them because all it is is a bunch of loitering going on, right? Well, of course, we, have, we go shopping at the Seat or whatever. So we, we were on our side, not to say we were righteous because we had our own little ways. But Kelly did point out something to me. She said, I ain't never seen anybody come out there with a loaf of bread or fresh vegetables. <laughs> never. I seen some jungle juice. That's really the name of a juice. I used to drink it, man. Ain't nothing but sugar coloring and num red number whatever. It tastes good, though. It tastes good. It just somehow maybe culturally connects with me. I don't know what it is. I drink it. I'm like, oh, I'm home. Even now I got to get a little jungle juice to stay, you know, keep it 100 proof. But anyway, so, and, and so they come out with jungle juice and chips and 40s and cigarettes. Right? Can you say preservative, fat-filled, artificial heart, clogging heart, stopping old, so good and pleasing and convenient malnutrition? Right? And like that, we turn to all sorts of addictions just to get that emptiness filled. We turn to all sorts of anger and gossip and pointing to get that fear, that fear dealt with. We, we turn to all sorts of success-driven achievements to get that emptiness filled. We turn to all sorts of religious and self-righteous rules and regulations to self-fix, to self-bless, to self-right. And when we do that, we open our throats and our souls to be met and fed by idols, by what and who is not God. And it goes back to the first verse of the psalm. Everything is the Lord's. And when the Lord is not the Lord in any part of our lives, if we get fed by anything or anyone else, if we get comfort in a way that makes anything else God for us, we swear by, right? We live our lives by something else. We are short of the hill. 
Here's the problem then. The answer to the question is simply this, this. Because no one's motives are pure and no one is idol free and no one is solo dea gloria doing everything and getting everything for the glory of God. No one is righteous enough. I can say that with all definite truth, absolute truth. Let me tell you a true statement that nobody can argue with. I don't care who you are in this room. You are not righteous enough. We can go home with that one. Live with that. You, you ain't righteous enough to get what you need as a human being to be fully human. No one is right. And so here's the answer to this question in verse 3. But who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? Not you and not me. And not even King David who wrote it. And like the responsibility of one who is king of Israel, you and I are friends and fathers and mothers and husbands and wives and teachers and sons and daughters and care providers. And some of you are artists and bankers and business people. And in and, and order for us to be and do and exist emotionally, physically, and spiritually like we should, we need it and we can't get it. And like this psalm anticipates, there's a Selah, <laughs> a pause. A heavy pondering. In other words, let that marinate a bit. And let that be heavy, right? But sadly, the heavy pose and the pause of our futility looks a lot like the gates and doors of verse 7. Ancient, heavy, unbreakable, stuck. Because when you live separate from the blessings and righteousness of God, of, the, of and on the hill, when we live like verses 4 and 5 detail, open our souls and lives to settle for less than him in all or different areas of our lives, it is like shutting our souls and lives and world off from God's goodness to us. We freeze and harden up. God's up there, and we feel like we down here. And he is too holy, and we too broke. So we build a life in a world that is impossible for us to let God in or for us to go out to him. We've hardened up our sense of faith and belief and become cynics or self-righteous or so lost in hope because of so much mess that has happened to us. Some of the stuff y'all haven't done, some of the stuff has been done to you. You stuck in the story of somebody else's sin. You stuck behind the gates, right, in the ancient doors of somebody else. I love this ancient doors reference. I don't want to get off because we, we only got by so much time today. And, but, but here's the deal. The ancient doors can truly represent, like, familial sins that keep going generation after generation after generation. And it's almost like the hinges of your freedom are rusted shut. So you say, forget it. 
Every one of us has a blessing block, a righteousness block. We have ancient and everlasting doors, a personally unbreakable barrier, emotionally, spiritually, physically, between us and God's love and redemption. Whether broken situations hurt or pain, we secure ourselves. Some of us don't even consider him a lifestyle option anymore. Some of us have a pause of sailor in our lives because we have resigned to live and let others live in pain. God is too far away. I feel this sometimes. The God stuff is too high in the sky and we in our world are too far gone and removed from his holiness. Some of y'all feel that about your marriages. Some of y'all feel that about your relationships. Some of y'all feel that about your job. Some of y'all are underemployed and unemployed. Some of you can't get along with your kids. But this psalm sings this. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up. You everlasting doors, because good news, new news, unexpected news, the king of glory shall come in, or better yet, this Easter morning shall and has come out and up. And who is that king? He is the Lord strong and mighty. He is the one who has ascended the hill on our behalf. And the Bible lets us know that the king who ascended in doing so first descended to fight and suffer and war and die and be buried to gain and regain the presence and blessing and righteousness of God for broken, messed up people in a world we live in. He had to go up the hill by coming down and dying like one of us first. Who is the king of glory? The Bible tells us that it is none other ultimately than God, our king, Jesus Christ, who on our behalf, on, on the behalf of our world and our humanity, came like one of us and, and ascended and went where we couldn't go for ourselves, dying on a cross for our idle hunger. And would has he come back as the king of glory. On Good Friday, we saw how Jesus ascended the hill to be crucified on a cross, to get what we needed, to be redeemed and saved in this life. But by bearing the sins of us all, right? And like any of us who would have ascended the hill of God unclean, Jesus with our uncleanliness on him was killed by a holy God's wrath. And it seemed just for about three days, that the ancient gates and everlasting doors were closed to him and on us. But the Bible says that three days later, David got the answer to the song. Who 
is the king of glory who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and come back. The Lord Jesus is the king of glory, the Lord mighty in battle, the Lord almighty. When he beat sin, death, and and the grave, he brought back a fix and a redemption. He ended the separation between us and God because of our sin. And so with him, the very presence of the transcendent God comes into our lives and world and with it the power and blessing to demand that hard hearts, impossible situations, and all sorts of past mistakes, and all sorts of religious bondages, and all sorts of sordid family history, and all sorts of problems in the world, and in your marriages, and in your relationships. He is demanding that they be blown off the hinges by the Lord so that everything we hang and hold our heads down about can be lifted up healed, redeemed, and forgiven because the king of glory rose from the grave. Jesus Christ, the king of glory, who shall ascend the hill? Who has a clean hands? Who has a clean and pure heart? Who is the one? He is the one. And in him we have the fullness of the blessings of God. Every day it's yes and amen for me and you. Who is the king of glory? The one who rose from the grave. And we can sing to ourselves to this world. Lift up your heads. Look to Jesus. Open up your lives. Humble your hearts. Bend your knees that the risen king of glory, Jesus, shall come in. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus on the hill to die and in his resurrection and ascension up to the hill to give us blessing. Who is the king of glory? Who is the one with the clean hands and pure hearts? It's the risen Lord and Savior. Lord, please convince us that you are the God that has everything we need. But we can't get it. But Lord, work in the hearts of your people right now to know that the good news is this. You sent Jesus to release, to get, to open the way for us to ascend the hill of the Lord in him. Thank you for your glory. Thank you for your goodness this Easter Sunday. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.